Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Ilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, welcome back to Mom Brain. I'm Ilaria. And I'm Daphne. And if you're a child of the 80s and 90s, you are going to love today's guest. We are talking to Danica McKellar. Um, and if that name doesn't ring a bell, maybe Winnie Cooper will. But besides her roles on The Wonder Years and West Wing, Danica is also, this is amazing, a three-time New York Times bestselling author, internationally recognized mathematician and advocate for math education. And she's also a mommy and all around amazing, amazing mama. She's really incredible. You guys are going to absolutely love this interview. Take notes. I was taking many notes during it. She has a mathematical theorem that is named after her. Um, It's called the Shays-McKellar-Wynn theorem. There you go. I don't know what that is, but it sounds really impressive. So guys, this is like the time out of all the times to be talking to somebody who homeschools their kids. And has done for a long time. And has done for a really long time. Yeah, she's like this not isn't new like stuff. a new thing for her. This yeah. is like her like average. She's like, what? What's the problem? Why are you guys all complaining? Yeah, no, I know what I'm doing. So we are going to be doing what she's doing. Listen up. You're going to love this. Mom boy. Danica McKellar. I'm so excited to be here on the podcast. You might remember me as Winnie Cooper on The Wonder Years or for my many Hallmark Christmas movies, which I'm about to shoot one right now. Uh, and I write math books. I have a whole bunch of books at mckellarmath.com and uh, got a 10-year-old son who I homeschool. I'm really excited to chat. And where can we follow you? You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, all at Danica McKellar. I was seeing on your Instagram that you're that you're quarantining so you can start shooting. Yes, I am. So I'm just like in a room in this house where we're quarantining in Canada. And uh, yeah, it's, we're most of the way through. We finished on Friday. Whoa, very exciting. But I'm here with my mom and my son. And so it's been it's been really nice. I miss my husband a lot. Um, he has to be in LA because his son, he, we both share custody with our exes. And so it's just impossible because you have to quarantine for two weeks if you want to come to Canada. Ah, uh, yes. So true. Yeah. But it's, you know, making it work. Got to bring those Hallmark Christmas movies to, to people and <laughs> brighten their holidays. I feel like this year, more than any yes, other year, like yes. we're all going to be like living vicariously through whatever characters you're, you know, whatever storyline you guys well, are doing. There's some redemption. There's some love. There's some like something fun, I'm sure. <laughs> we need intrigue. to see people like out and about. We need to see you go Christmas shopping right. because we're not <laughs> not going to be able to go Christmas exactly. shopping, so we're going to watch Don't you do it. Don't give in just yet. Don't tell me that's not happening yet. Although, let's yeah. be real. How much of your shopping did you do in person versus online? No, anyway? no, oh, never, no, never, never anymore. Well, like maybe once or twice I go and start. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as I, right, all, all of my Christmas shopping, literally every single one of like the 50 family members I had to buy presents for happened between the hours of 11 p.m. and 1 a.m. <laughs> like, but no this year, I there. feel like I want to go Christmas shopping because right. I can't. Exactly. But I remember when I was first a mom and my son was three months old, and I remember just rocking and breastfeeding him thinking, when am I ever going to go shopping? And I had just gotten a smartphone. I had never had one before. I was a little late to the party. Oh, so this was 2010. Wow. And I was like, wait a minute. Oh, I can shop on my phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and wow. uh, and I couldn't believe how productive those breastfeeding sessions were. How much I money mean, I got. Spend. <laughs> I spent so much money and got everything done uh, in an evening or two. Yeah. So here's my question. You said that you, you, how old is your son? How old is Draco? He just turned 10. 10. And then your husband also has a son? Mm-hmm. He's got a 16-year-old. Oh, okay. And they both live, I mean, you're splitting time or-, or- They both have, yeah, both. All parents want as much time with their kids as possible, which is such a blessing and so wonderful. That's great. Um, and so they both, yeah. as, it's 50-50 on both. So which we, we usually line it up, not when I'm in Canada or doing something different, but like usually we line it up so the boys are growing up together because they don't have any other siblings, uh, but they have each other, which is really nice. Now, are you doing homeschool there? Yep. But we do homeschooling anyway, actually. Oh, really? I've homeschooled him since kindergarten. Yeah. He went to regular preschool and he just, it just, I don't know, he was either bored or they were weird and lying and like controlling. It's so, I, I remember when I, I remember dropping him off at this preschool that he went to and, and they were like, oh no, as soon as you leave, he stops crying. He is good. He's like 
three, maybe just turned three. And he's like, oh no, he, he's totally fine. And I'm like, are you sure? And he goes, yeah. And I had my ex-husband go and I was like, I had a meeting. I was like, can we go spy on him to see? And he had, and he went and he like, cause we were already divorced by that point. He went and he spied on him and he's like, okay, well, he was just sitting in the corner sort of playing with himself. He's not having a great time. He looked really sad. I'm like, all right, this is ridiculous. So the next day I went and I talked to them. I said, look, you guys, I don't think he's having a good time. And maybe he's just not ready yet. I'm not sure. And then they're like, no, 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 give us another chance. Like, okay, one more day. Took him there, dropped him off, uh, picked him up. And he's like, mommy, uh, do I, I don't want to have to paint anymore. Do I have, I'm like, okay, you don't have to paint anymore. And, and then he goes, wait, I like it there at blah, blah school. I'm not going to say the name of the school. And I was like, what did you say? And he goes, I like it there at blah, blah school. And I was like, I said, did they tell you to say that? He starts crying. Oh, yes. I'm like, gosh. that's it. So obviously we left that school, went to another school and it was, he was so bored. He was so bored. Um, cause that school let you kind of hang out. And I thought, what, what is he, he already knows how to read. I mean, he was already reading a little bit at three and, and I was like, oh, I can teach him this stuff. And obviously I love math and I've been teaching math forever. And so that, well, let's just, you know, we'll just homeschool for a little while and see how it goes. <laughs> and here he is 10 years old and it's, it works so well for us in part because both myself and my ex-husband, his dad, we both travel for work a lot. And, and it, and it, it just, he is, he's like a sponge and, He's the only child, so we can give him all of our attention um, for that kind of thing. And I know he just he just loves it. And he's in tons of sports, and he's got friends and playdates and all that kind of stuff. But in terms of the actual learning process, uh, it's really worked out well for us. And believe me, with this, all the quarantine and everything and the school shutting down, it's been oh, – yeah. I felt very fortunate that this part was not an adjustment because, my goodness, this, this pandemic has presented so many challenges and so many – stresses and so much anxiety in so many different kinds of ways. And that was one, not one I had to worry about. I, I, back in April, I created a whole bunch of videos about homeschooling, give it like tips for homeschooling. Here's what's helped mm. us. Here's what, cause it's one, the number one issue is how do you get your own child to focus? You know, when you're not a teacher and you, you're, yeah. you're just the mom, I mean, you're like he's just, he or she is used to being with you all the time. Uh, and you have to like wrangle them and getting them to focus is definitely the biggest challenge. And so Draco and I together actually created a bunch of little videos and, if, and anyone listening who's interested, if you go to my Instagram and I can describe some of them too, but if you go to my Instagram on the profile page, um, there are those highlight reels, you know, the little hi highlight circles, yeah, yeah, not reels, but the highlight circles. One of them is called school at home. And if you click on that, you'll see a whole bunch of tips and things that, that we've learned over the years. That's so helpful. I'm I'm really excited. I mean, that's exactly what I'm going to be doing all this afternoon. People should definitely go and check them out on your page before, but just while they're driving or listening to you out on the road and they can't, what's like, what's the one, what's one tip for people who need to get their kids to focus and pay attention to them, even though they are not their normal teacher? Yes. Well, there are a couple of things. I mean, you're going to ask me just one. You're not going to get just one, unfortunately. But um, <laughs> And by the way, I'm just at Danica McKellar on Instagram um, for those who want to go see the videos themselves. One of the things that's worked out really well for us is using a timer and not to not to see how fast they go. It's actually just the opposite. It's all about focusing. So if you say, all right, we're going to do two hours of quality homeschooling today. But that's quality homeschooling. So as soon as your child gets distracted, wants to do something else, you hit pause. And you can be like, look, this two hours can take us four or five hours or it can take you two or two and a half hours. It's totally up to you. And you'll the first couple days, it's the harsh lesson they learn of why that took five hours. And then it's like, right. well, I don't want this to take too long. Okay, fine, I'll stay focused. And then what that does is it eliminates the yelling, the fighting, the pleading, because you can very calmly say, okay, that's cool. I'm just hitting pause. And then they're the ones who are like, wait a minute, uh, let's not hit pause. I'll go back to it. Let me go, I'll, I'll study for a little bit longer. And then you can talk about, all right, well, this is a good time for a 10 minute break, whatever, but it, it helps to motivate them to want to stay on task. Another thing that has helped us a lot, and if you have a child who likes stuffed animals or has a little doll or a little whatever, and my son does, even though he's he's 10, he still has his little stuffed animals he likes. Uh, there's this little seal named Flappy that's one of his favorites right now. And what I'll do is if he's feeling frustrated and just upset about the fact that he has to be doing it or whatever it is, I will be Flappy. I'll bring in Flappy and I'll do a little voice. I'm like, what's going on? What are you doing? This is ridiculous. You shouldn't have to do this. This doesn't make any sense. And and I'll just I'll like, oh, like, what kind of a mother do you have anyway? And I'll just sort of start, and he'll start defending me. And so he'll start defending why it's important to do. It's like you don't need to know this. Well, it's actually it's good for my brain. And he'll he'll start kind of relenting. And and then I'll say, well, this is just confusing. It doesn't make any sense. And then he'll start explaining it. And he'll start saying things I didn't even know he heard me saying. I'm like, I, I thought he was ignoring me. I thought he was mm -hmm, he was facing. Mm -hmm. But actually, 
he was listening and they say one of the best ways to learn is to teach and it's it's true and if you have if your child has a little stuffed animal or a younger sibling or whatever it is but pretending to be enraged as the stuffed animal is just has been great <laughs> and it just diffuses he, he'll go sometimes from seriously almost in tears about being frustrated to laughing within moments it's amazing how children can do that it's it's such a gift it's a good lesson for us all you said something about two and a half hours. Is that is that an actual number? Like, is two and a half hours the amount of, like, learning time that, that we should focus on? Or is it that was that just an arbitrary number? Well, that's usually what we do. He's 10. Um, we used to just do two hours. Before that, it was an hour and a half. It's kind of depends, for me, on, depends on their age. The amount of quality school time that kids are getting in school is a lot less than you think. Yeah. Right. Between recess and lunch and other things and distractions and the teacher trying to get control of the classroom and all the rest of it, uh, it's, it's a lot less than you think. Now, when I was growing up on the Wonder Years, I went to school on set and the state mandates three hours a day. So as a teenager, you know, I'm doing three hours of work a day. And, and if you think about it, if you're just learning the stuff you need to learn and doing the homework or the assignments and the test, whatever it is, that's kind of what it comes out to. So at 10, I figure two and a half hours is probably pretty good. And we get a lot done. It's, it's really right. about quality. It's not about the amount of hours you spend. How do you structure your day? Well, because my days are always different. I might have a podcast like this or I might, you know, my life is all over the map. So it's really about having a loose idea. Like I'll send, I usually send myself an email the night before and say, okay, well, here's what I want to get done for me. And here's what I want to get done, <laughs> what I want Draco to do. And then we'll just. I try to start in the late morning. Uh, Draco really doesn't like doing schoolwork first thing in the morning. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. It's only two and a half hours. We can make this, you know, start maybe around 11 and um, and see how much we can get done before lunch. And then we do some more after lunch. And then hopefully we're kind of done by the um, mid-afternoon and then we'll have sports and stuff like that. It's an interesting juggling act. But every everybody's different. Every family is different. Everyone's setup is different. I think my number one advice about homeschooling is don't stress about all the little details so much. Just don't worry. And if you have a day that goes by that you're not sure much happened, it's okay. It's really okay. You've got to be sensitive to your child's emotional needs as well, especially right now. They really need comfort and 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 love. And there's a lot of confusion going on. There's a lot of anxiety. They're picking up on that too. So if you're going to be super worried about them finishing their you know, finishing this particular assignment or wait, we didn't learn enough in math day or whatever it is. Just, you know, just remember to take a breath. And, and remember when you were little going to school and your parents would be like, what did you learn today? I don't know. What happened? Nothing. <laughs> I mean, I remember answering that way. I don't know about you guys. And Definitely. I know my stepson, that's how he answers. And I'm thinking, well, what did they do? Uh, and, and so we think about it. If you can teach them one really good little piece of information, whatever it is, whether it's how to reduce a fraction or if it's just explaining about, you know, what happened in civil rights. I mean, Draco and I read this book about Nelson Mandela that's, that's aimed at kids and I was blown away at what I was learning and, and, and just learning about what he did and how he, how, what he went through and how he still believed in, in the goodness of hum, the human spirit and he went on to be a great leader. That's an amazing little tidbit right there. And if that's all your child learns that day and you talk about it, you talk about, well, gosh, when, you know, sometime when you were struggling and somebody was mean to you, would you get, get up and then help them? You know, could you do that? Like, this is what this guy did. And, and just that kind of a, that little, little tidbits like that are what last. And those are the things that matter. And yes, I threw reducing fractions in with Nelson Mandela as if though they have the same importance, <laughs> but depending on, what <laughs> depending on what your child wants to do, maybe they do. Um, so that kind of thing, just to just to like take a breath and be like, okay, there's no right way to do it. There's no right amount of information to get in on a certain day. And some days will be different from others. Some days will be more productive than others, or so you think. Mm -hmm. Maybe your child seeing you get frustrated about something and composing yourself and dealing with it in a mature way, maybe that's the most important thing they're going to learn all week. You know, we are our child's teachers and our, our child's examples and and everything I'm saying to you guys right now. It's not like I'm an expert at it. This is what I this is what I discovered. No, but it's fascinating to talk to you because this is this is not a new normal for you. This is not right. a new thing. Right. This is something that you've been doing yes. um you know for a really long time. It was interesting. I was I was, you know, pre-COVID, I was at the hotel that we stay in when we when we go and work in LA and it, a mother was there. Um she came to talk to me with her son and she homeschools just the two of them. She had him alone. 
Um, she, and she's like, so we get to go, um, you know, travel and we get to be on any kind of schedule. And she's like, when we're here, we get to go and see yep, this, you yep. know, one of, one of my other friends, he was like, you know, when I, when we're talking about the Mona Lisa, we are in front of the Mona Lisa. <laughs> I mean, like there's some amazing things, obviously, you know, they, these, these are people who have certain means that can make it happen. Right. But for me, as I'm looking for homeschooling children, what I hear from a lot of other, other parents is how do we know what we're doing is enough? How do we not make them hate school? You know, as you're talking about the timer with, you know, the arguing and the pleading and just please just focus, um, trying to, you know, run between work and this kid and that kind of, I mean, I have five kids. Um, I, you know, my second grader, my oldest, that's the one I'm really focusing on. And then the other ones, it's like, I, let's work on the letter F today. And I don't even know, or let's, uh, let's talk about cheetahs and watch a natural, uh, not geo. That's it. But like, are there ways for those of us who, who kind of crave some kind of structure of like, let's get up and we do this and we do that. Are there different, um, online resources that we can go to that you know of, or ways that we can organize our day if we're not teachers like you are? Um, are there ways, how can we create a little bit of that at our home to, to at least make the kids think that we know what we're doing? (laughs) It's really funny. You know, there might be apps online and scheduling apps. There probably are that you could use for that sort of thing. For me, like I said, my life is all over the map. And so it, it wouldn't really help um, because I wouldn't be able to rely. I can't rely from one day to the next that it's going to be the same, that I'm going to have the same windows of time available to, to give to him. So, But, but mm-hmm. for me, uh, as he's gotten a little older, so I used to do the same stuff with like just go on YouTube find interesting videos about stuff. I'd ask, I'd, I had this book of uh, this national geographic book of animals. And I would say, pick an animal today. And then I would go on, we'd go online and find kids videos about that animal. And it was just, so that was, you know, the, the idea behind homeschooling too, is that your child can show you what they're interested in and then learn about that. And that, that is one way to help them not hate school for them to be like, Oh, right. I'm following an interest of mine. This is, this is cool. I was curious about this right now. My son is really into marine animals. Like he just, wants to learn all about marine animals, which is amazing. I love that. Um, I'm also forcing French history down his throat at the moment, but we're doing also <laughs> love marine animals. <laughs> but it's it's like it you can you can go with their interests. And one thing that I used to love doing pre-COVID is taking him to museums, science museums was yeah. where his favorite. There's a great science museum up in Vancouver, you know, and all we've been to like every science museum in Canada. Like in, in every every I mean in Alberta, in Winnipeg, you know, whatever, wherever, uh, Toronto, they have an amazing museum there. Uh, I mean, aquarium there. So tons of aquariums and museums and, and things, but right now we can't do that. But usually you can. <laughs> and that is usually also right. part of it is that it's field trips, a lot more field trips than you get in a regular school. And then these days there's a wonderful program that I've discovered called next level homeschooling. And it is, it's classes. It's almost like they're, they're online. It's almost like a community college for kids where you pick and choose mm. what you want to do. And so we're doing marine animals and uh, French history and grammar right now. And then, of course, I do all the math myself because I do math because I'm that's my one of my loves. Uh, but, but it's really uh, useful because it's getting other people's you know, curriculum too. It's other people. Some, someone else spent a long time putting this thing together about invertebrates that live in the ocean. That's fantastic because that's not my area. And yes, we could just go around and get different YouTube videos. And there's this wonderful YouTube series called It's Okay to Be Smart, which by the way, I just I have no affiliation with, but I just want to plug it because it's so good. It's Okay to Be Smart. It's so fun. We love the honeybee video. There's actually a couple different honeybee shows. Um, The honeybee video is so entertaining. And these these videos are five, six minutes long and you learn so much. You have to watch them a few times just to like get all the information. But that is random. And and this is a little more long term. These classes are four weeks to 14 weeks on next level homeschooling. And so we we love that. It's, it's great. And they've got quizzes and projects and and you can tailor it to what you want your child to learn or what your child's interested in learning. So you brought up math as something, one of your loves. Yes. And I think it's fair to say that most people who, you know, were in love with you as, as, as Winnie Cooper back in the day did not necessarily think that's where your life would go. (laughs) So could you mind just giving us a little, like, were you 
math is also a very specific subject. I feel like most people it's, it's, it's yes, overwhelming or intimidating too. Um, so how did that happen? And what was the, what was the sort of genesis of that becoming really your, your second and main career here too? Yeah. I, I, I've always loved a good challenge. It's really the foundation of it that I've always loved. When somebody says that looks really difficult, I bet you can't do that. It just ignites a flame under me <laughs> for whatever reason. It's kind of like a devil dog dare you. Um, so I've always loved mm-hmm. the challenge. I've always loved things that seemed really difficult. That whole idea of a thousand miles, you know, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. All that kind of stuff has always really appealed to me. And when I was in high school, math or even junior high, math was a challenge, but I liked the challenge. Then in the seventh grade, I had a teacher that just didn't really explain it very well. And I got really, really scared. And it's like my whole identity was shaken. You know, I, I wasn't doing well and I didn't know how to do well. And I was really terrified. And I used to come home and cry because I was afraid of my math homework. And then another teacher came in midway through the year in the same exact subject that it completely confused me and frustrated me to no end. Suddenly it made sense. Suddenly it was accessible mm. and fun even. And I was, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it was the same subject. And that was really the first introduction to the idea that the way math is presented is everything. So then fast forward a few more years. Now I'm uh, finishing up the wonder years and graduating from high school all within a couple months of each other. I go to UCLA. My plan was to be a film major and a few uh, trimesters into it. I had to take a class, a hard sciences class to fulfill a requirement. And in high school, I really, I liked math a lot and it was really challenging, but I didn't think of myself as somebody who'd be able to do college math for some reason. And really it comes down to the stereotypes surrounding math and who's good at college math. I didn't think mm-hmm. I looked the part. Like I just didn't, I don't know. I I was this actress, you know, and yeah, I, I did well in, in, in math in high school and I took honors classes and everything. But still, the idea, the idea of college math was intimidating. No, I hear you. But since I like a good challenge, I went ahead and took a class. I took this multivariable calculus class. And um, I remember, I will never forget this because every day on campus, people would say, oh my gosh, aren't you that girl from the Wonder Years? Aren't you that girl who's on TV? Aren't you that girl who played Winnie? Every day, aren't you that girl? And we took a midterm, the first midterm of a class. And I studied so hard for that thing. I got a 22 out of 40, and I was sure that, I I mean, I felt like I failed the test. Turns out that was some sort of a weeder test because the professor, out of 163 people, he graphed the scores, not with names, but just the scores on the chalkboard. There was one 22, there were two 15s, and the rest was nine and below. And I'm looking at my test going, wait, I'm the 20, I'm the 22, that's me? Looking around (laughs) at all these super smart looking people, thinking, how did I get the high score? And, And the next day, somebody taps me on the shoulder and says, Hey, excuse me, aren't you that girl who got the 22? And it was this moment for me where I felt so valuable and like kick-ass and like cool and for something that had nothing to do with Hollywood, nothing to do with the Wonder Years. And this, you know, every day, every day, every day in my life getting recognized as Winnie Cooper. When you're a teenager, it does get to you because you start to wonder what would I be if I didn't have this? And this was my thing that I would be if I didn't have this. Does that make sense? Like I just... Yeah, felt absolutely. so, I felt like my, my identity. It. Yes, yes. Yeah. So that was great for me. And that was really when I started to fall in love with math more. And I ended up becoming a math major. And then I, I and uh, that became well known. It was like Winnie the math whiz. And, and so then I was invited to speak in front of Congress about the importance of women in mathematics. This was after I graduated. And I studied the issue and it was all about confidence dropping. And what I learned through all my research and, and their 100 page report that Congress that they put together for Congress, it was all about middle school. Middle school is the time when confidence starts to drop for girls and it drops before their grades do. They start seeing themselves as not good at math because of the stereotypes around them, because they don't want to seem good at math also, because they think that means they're not going to be popular. They're not going to be well-liked. They'll be intimidating, whatever it is. They'd rather associate themselves with fun girls that everybody likes rather than the smart girl that people don't like, which is that, that horrible stereotype out there uh, that doesn't have to be true. And so I thought, well, this is, this is insane. I got to do something about this. And so my first book is called Math Doesn't Suck, uh, How to Survive Middle School Math Without Losing Your Mind or Breaking a Nail. It's super just fun and conversational. And I teach real fractions, decimals, percentages, proportions, but all using fun analogies. Because I remember in my, I mean, that seventh grade teacher of mine who made math fun, and it was the same subject, just the way it was presented. 
why not be entertaining? I mean, I'm an entertainer. And so I've been an entertainer my whole life and I love math. So why not write entertaining math books? So I wrote, I wrote, um, math doesn't suck. And then kiss my math, which is pre-algebra and then hot X <laughs> algebra exposed. This is algebra one. And then girls get curves. Geometry takes shape. That's the high school geometry with full on geometry proofs that get very challenging. But like, it's the whole, I, I had so much fun writing these books. Then I had Draco and I didn't, I, I had him, he was like a year old when I was writing the geometry book. And I just, it was too much time away from a little baby. So I took a break for a while. And then a few years ago, started writing young books again, like the younger ones. And just this past summer, I wrote, I, I came out with my 10th book and I've now filled in the gap. So I started middle school, went through high school, then started for like babies and made it through. So this is, wow. I have it with me, it's called the Times Machine. It's for, it's um, really second through fifth grade, but third and fourth grade, mostly multiplication and division. And it teaches it with comic strips and cartoons. And it's just really silly and fun. It's multiplication and division. And um, just like, you know, cartoons and fun stuff, but comic strips. And one of the things that I'm most proud of Besides the fact that it teaches multiplication and division the way they're doing it now and the way we did it, because they're doing some crazy things these days in math, you guys. The Common Core is really different and uh, and confusing to a lot of parents because it looks different from how it did when we were uh, young. Well, I was just thinking these books are probably super valuable for parents who are having yes. to do their kids' homework a lot. Yes. and have no idea what they're doing. Exactly. <laughs> this could be exactly. really good. I actually have a math. It's called um, New Math Translation Guide for Grownups in the back of this book. In fact, this, uh, so this is the <laughs> so first smart. and second grade book. Do not open this math book. This is first and second grade. It's addition and subtraction because, yes, they've changed addition and subtraction too. Um, there's no more like they don't call it borrowing or carrying. It's it's all regrouping and it's all very visual. Uh, and this is multiplication division. But so one of the things I'm really proud of with this book, besides the new versus old math, is the fact that it is helping kids memorize their multiplication tables in really fun ways. This was my goal. And this was when I signed my eight, my current eight book deal with Random House. I was like, this is the book I was most excited about writing because I said, kids are not learning their multiplication tables. They're not learning them because they're called multiplication facts now. They're not learning them because there's so little time in the classroom and these, these teachers are being forced to teach all this other new stuff. I mean, all this common core, all the methods, uh. and they're expecting the kids to just sort of memorize them on their own and at home maybe, or uh, maybe it's not that big a deal if they don't memorize them or all these other things, which I, I think it's very important to memorize your multiplication tables because if you don't know them, then how are you going to reduce a fraction or, or do long division? So anyway, I have like stories and like poems and fun little things for all the different multiplication facts. And I'm going to share one of them with you just as an example of how even something that can be as dry and stale as memorizing multiplication facts can also be really fun and silly. So six times seven equals 42. That's one of them. And it's one of the ones that's hard to learn because it's just, you know, the numbers are a little bit bigger. But imagine Mr. Mouse. So Mr. Mouse is a recurring character, by the way. He is on, didn't open this math book, and also the Times Machine. He's right there. Um, he loves cheese. Mr. Mouse loves cheese. Imagine that he eats a big six-sided block of cheese every day for a week. So it's seven days, right? Six-sided block of cheese every day for seven days. Well, at the end of that week, Mr. Mouse is pretty full and farty too. Oh, farty too. <laughs> farty too. Oh so most oh kids are going to remember oh that God. six times seven is 42 after that story. And there's a ton of other ones. We have little octopus. Um, there's just... I thought, you know what? There's got to be a way. There's got to be a way to make memorizing multiplication facts fun. And so it sticks in your brain. Just bring up farts and then we're there. And you have farts and you And then it. you get to talk like Shrek. Exactly. Yeah. Farts no, too. Whatever works. <laughs> whatever, whatever works. Why not have math be fun and silly? I'm so excited. I'm like fantasizing about how this – because it's interesting. My, my daughter is really good at math. That's great. And I never was. So don't tell her. Still am not. Try not to tell I her. Haven't told, good, good, good. I haven't told <laughs> her that what? because yeah. I know they identify. They yep. identify with you. And so I just like – I allow her to teach me things or I'll like spend extra time before like trying to learn yep. myself. And I'm like, oh, God, I need to learn this. I need to like pretend I know what I'm talking She's about. She's in second grade? She's in second grade. If you want, she might really like this book. I'm going to get it for her. Yeah. Now, what do you, what would you recommend? You know, I mean, it seems like you, you start in second grade, but what would you recommend for planting the seed even 
earlier than that, like yes. for like little, little kids, little, little like kids. How, how do you make them interested in, in numbers? So I've, I've written books for ages zero to 16 and I, this is the, the issue that I've tackled. This is my, my life mission. One of my life missions is to help kids from the earliest of ages all through school, learn to love and appreciate numbers and feel comfortable with numbers because you know, kids who are afraid of math tend to be adults who avoid numbers. And we all know what happens. You don't mm-hmm. understand your, the APR and your credit card statement or contracts you get into. And we end up getting ripped off without even realizing it. So, so important. Um, so the earliest book that I have written, well, one of one of them is Goodnight Numbers. And that is a, a book that teaches one through 10. And it's a really sweet bedtime story. And you're counting real things in the world. So I wanted to show numbers as they organically are in the world. So it's not just like three butterflies and four rocks and five trees or whatever. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's four legs on a cat. It's five points on a star. It's six sides on a block. It's seven days of the week. It's, you know, um, so these, so that they see that numbers are inherently a part of their world already. So that when they're introduced to numbers, it's not just numbers, it's the world as the, the world has shown us numbers. Um, and so they're not random. Because what I found for most counting books is that they're random objects. It's a random right. collection of different right. objects. Right, why would you remember cute, those? But, yeah. but, or, and not just why would you remember them, why would you think it's relevant? Mm-hmm. Why is it relevant to have five butterflies versus four butterflies? I mean, what's the difference? I don't know. It seems haphazard. You're right, exactly. I have to ask because I, my my oldest is um, just six months younger than Carmen, uh, Ilaria's oldest. And, and similarly, really likes math, but she actually only really likes it because she thinks she's better at it than her brother, who's four, <laughs> who actually might be better than she is. He's really good at math. He loves it. But I'm, I, you know, there are plenty of subjects that they don't necessarily resonate with or love. And I'm so curious, because, you know, whether it's math specifically, or clearly you have great expertise across a variety of subjects. What, what do you say to parents who have the kid who's like, I, even at a young age, I'm not good at math. I hate math. I'm not, you know, it doesn't interest me. I don't like it. I mean, what's the, what's sort of the gateway drug to getting them to like, you know, is it besides making it accessible to their, like there yeah, are three traffic right. lights, there are four, you know, whatever's right. Well, there are a couple different, there are a couple different brand avenues to that. One is relevance. I mean, kids care about stuff that applies to them and the things that they're interested in. So if you can, if you can talk about math in terms of things that they love, that's going to help. It just will. I mean, if my son loved garbage cans, like the, you know, the blue, <laughs> black and green garbage cans. He loved it. I mean, so you can, you count that you count things at the earliest ages, count the things that they love, bring it into stuff that, that, it matters to them. Um, if they're a little bit older and they just, you know, they don't like it. Mostly people don't like stuff they don't feel good at. You know, when mm-hmm. we feel good at something and that, that applies to sports too. You know, if, if your child's struggling with sports, they'll enjoy it more if they get good at it, if they get better at it. So then you have them, well, let's practice these drills because you're going to feel better when you're doing it. If you feel like you know what you're doing and then you feel good about yourself, accomplishing things, getting problems, right. All that kind of stuff feels good. So you have to give them the tools so they can succeed and then they will like it more, generally speaking. Now, some kids are going to like it more or less just in general. We all have things we're attracted to and things we're not attracted to. And at the, at the end of the spectrum where, look, your child is really good at math and still just doesn't like it, okay, then you can appeal to the idea that, look, this is sharpening your brain because it is. Doing math is like going to the gym for your brain. Doing anything challenging in any subject really is is good for your endurance and your fortitude and your stamina, mental stamina, physical stamina, whatever it is, that really does make a difference and it will make you more powerful. It will make you a more powerful human being also if you are able to do things you don't feel like doing. And this is something that I tell Draco when it comes to French history, which I don't know what his problem is with French history, but he just doesn't like it. I'm like, Draco, (laughs) there are going to be things in your life that you need to do that you're not going to feel like doing, but you're still responsible for doing them anyway. If you can practice that skill now, you will be so powerful. I'm just trying to get them to understand that. And, and it's, it's, you know, and they'll look, I don't feel like doing my taxes right now. I really don't feel like doing that. Like I really don't want to do it, but there are consequences if I don't. So I'm going to go do that. And, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing that I have, that I have practiced doing things I don't feel like doing because then it happens and I don't, you know what I mean? So, so trying to, if you're a child is a little bit older, then you can appeal to that sense of uh, that sensibility as well. No, that makes sense. I, I, you know, I, I, um, I'm always trying to do that logic game with them of like, 
I, I, let's put it this way. I never want to be, I, not that I never want to be as I'm sure there have been times where I am and there will be times again where I am, but I, I try not to be that because I said so. Right. And especially right, right, not with right. something, and especially not with something as, as valuable and as like exactly what you said. I mean, across your life, the things that motivate you the most are the things that you feel good at, that you have fun with and that, and that, you know, for whatever reason, you know, scratch the itch that you have. Um, this is where I struggle. I, I plant seeds for the future. I'm like, you're going to want this when you want to do X, or you're going to love this when you're trying to do Y. And kids don't think like that. They think in the immediate, what's the payoff for me right now? So that's really where I think some of these techniques are really helpful in trying to figure out how do you motivate your kids in the moment with things that are directly relevant to their lives right now? And like the, one of the ways we do this is sometimes with like allowance and things of that, like trying to teach them you know, value of things and what, you know, what your 25 cents is going to buy you and like what that means to them and, and playing with math in those ways where it, it, or even playing with like shells that we collect at the beach and doing the addition subtraction with those things. It just, it starts to make it real for them in a way that I think is less abstract and less, um, less difficult to be interested in than the future motivations that sometimes as yes. adults, we, we pay attention for sure. to. For sure. Yeah. And, and making anything tactile helps. I mean, that's why field trips are so great. Um, and, and getting up and like acting out, if you're doing like something I've been trying to do with Jacob a little bit here and there for history or whatever, I'll get, or even for science, I'll get up and act out something like act out a character yeah. or act out. Yeah. One of the things you'll see on, on the Instagram, uh, stories from the, the, uh, the highlights for, uh, school at home, uh, and all my tips for homeschooling is Draco was learning about how Galileo was saying, no, no, Copernicus was right. The, the earth goes around the sun. It's not the other way around. And, and so we were like, get up. And I'm like, okay, I'm the sun, you're the earth. So people used to think, and like, I ran around him, you know, but really I said, now you run around me, you're the earth. So the earth really goes around the sun. And just like getting that into his body, you get it into your body and then you remember it more. Correct. And it a little Correct. goes a long way. You don't have to act out the entire lesson. One little thing <laughs> you get. I remember seeing an episode. This is really going to date me. I believe it was like, remember that show, A Different World? Do you remember that? Maybe I'm older than you guys. No. Anyway, whatever it is. No, it was a, we just it, uh, at scene TV. in college. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, and the guy go the guy goes okay. She she was really confused about ma- about math. Actually, he goes okay. I'm X and goes like this and makes a big X. And it was just so fun. Like just a little moment like that. I'm and then get up and be the thing or have your child be the thing. Whatever it is. Again, a little goes a long way. And and it just injects life into whatever the lesson is, whatever the thing is. Also. I make sure to remind Draco of like in the moment if he's enjoying something, especially like well, right now it's French history. I'm like, look, wait, you're having fun. Do you see that? How you're having fun right now? See? And, and like, oh yeah, I guess so. You like okay. it. Okay. It's not so bad. Okay. Wait, I have two questions based on this. The first is a silly one only because he's 10. Uh, I don't know any other Dracos. Did you name him after Draco Malfoy or is this like a family name? No, it's actually he's named after the constellation. And when my ex-husband and I were oh, on, like, that's way better. one of our first dates, he goes, you know, if I ever have a son, I want to name Draco. I'm like, thinking, well, that's kind of forward. Why is he bringing this up now? This was literally one of our first dates. And uh, I mean, I guess he was seeing the future, but um, Harry Potter hadn't come out yet. That's how long ago this was when he first brought up the idea. Wow. And when he, when Harry Potter did come out, I was like, wait a minute. This, he goes, Oh, it'll never last. But then he's old enough. No one's going to remember Drake or Harry Potter, which is hilarious. <laughs> that, that little has been book. It's a great name and it's a great so constellation. Too. Wait. And then the real question was this, you brought up, you know, you brought up the girls um, right around middle school when we're already fraught with hormones yes. and trying to become little women and also still deeply, deeply children mm-hmm. that it becomes a time when, um, when it, when it feels more obvious, like somehow in, you know, without ever, it be, without it ever being said, like boys are good at math. Right. That's who's going to put their hands up and get the answer. Right. And by the way, when they don't get the answer, right. No one cares. No one like laughs them out of the, right. out of the classroom. It's like, just, you know, you move on. Um, do you think it's important to figure out how to get more female teachers in that age group of math? Do you think like, how, how do you actually start to, cause it, it's not just a matter, although I think this is important of teaching our girls confidence and hard work from an early age. I think it's also sometimes having it modeled for them and, and also being able to see themselves and see someone who, who has excelled, who, who is not, you know, the typical quote unquote math 
excellence person. You know what I right. mean? Right. Yes. Well, that's part of why, I, I mean, my, my books, especially for middle school and high school, I'm on the cover and I'm looking all like glamorous actress, these sort of like, let's break these stereotypes about who's good at math. One thing worth mentioning, and this is, I don't know if this is controversial or not. I don't think it is. Um, although everything is these days, but, but, uh, girls and boys, their brains do develop differently. And what I, what I remember hmm. learning about was that up until around the age of 12 or so, boys, the logical side of boys' brains have developed faster. They're going to be better at math. Girls, their language processing has developed faster. They're going to be better at writing and reading. And then at around middle school, it kind of evens out. Mm. So if you're judging your kids from a young, young age, um, like you're saying your four-year-old is maybe better at math than your seven-year-old girl, that might be the case because of the way the brains um, are formed. But then what's going to take over is societal expectations. <laughs> so we have to be careful mm. of that because we're still fighting. Probably identifying as well. Yes. You know, like once you label yourself as like, oh, I'm not good at math. So if if girls are developing this way and they were like, well, I'm just not good at math, you keep that and you don't necessarily give it another chance, even right. if you have to show up to math class. You just right. put yourself as this is who I am in this particular class. Right. Although you that know. usually happens to girls when they get a little bit older. So usually it when they're in middle school, they don't think they're going to be good at it. And they, they're they dumbing themselves down. They're trying to fit in. Um, they, they want to seem cool. And that's definitely more important than most other things. Um, what I've found is that though the, the grades are still doing pretty well. And what tends to happen is because of low expectations on themselves, mm. what happens is like in high school or college or whatever it is, usually high school, the girls tend to drop math as soon as they can because they don't think they're going to be good at it. And they'll say, like, I, I've had I've had women tell me, oh, yeah, I was actually really good at math for a long time. But then there's this one teacher or there's this one class or there's one subject or this mm -hmm. one whatever. And then it was like, and then I was like, forget it. Well, like you said, when a boy raises his hand and gives the wrong answer, typically it's not that big a deal. <laughs> but so what, what I noticed is that if you have a deeply held belief, then we look for evidence, right? We look for evidence to fulfill our expectations. And we, 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 we have a, a story we're telling ourselves and we go through life collecting evidence to support that story, even though there might be lots of evidence to the contrary all around us, right? So what will happen is if you, if women are more likely to see the one bad teacher or the one bad class or one bad experience, the one failed test, whatever it is, not just as a temporary stumbling block, but as evidence of what they've always known deep inside, which is they don't belong. Mm. And, and it's just astounding what this kind of confidence and expectation does. Um, I remember doing book signings for my first book, Math Doesn't Suck. And I would have girls and boys coming through the line. And I, and I would always say, hey, um, you know, are you good at math? And what are you getting in math? And the girls would usually say, um, I don't know, I'm okay. I'm not that good. I'm okay, whatever. What are you getting? A minus. And the boys, conversely, would be like, oh yeah, I'm great. I'm what great. are you getting? B plus. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, it, which is, I, it just blew my mind. Blew my mind. Expectations and confidence, they do matter because then you will tend to drop whatever you can as soon as you can because you don't think you belong. Um, you're going to tend to view failures as a permanent status, not as a temporary obstacle. So to answer your question, role modeling is inc incredibly important. And we do have role models now. We have more and more. With every passing day, we have more role models. You know, that, that movie Hidden Figures was great. I mean, there's tons. There are role models all mm -hmm, around. Mm -hmm. We just have to keep actively pursuing them and exposing our kids to them, especially girls. We, we I mean, we, did we really just pass the 100-year anniversary of, of getting the right to vote? Like, it blows my mind how recently... Women have had to fight for just basic things. I mean, my mom, uh, she was married before my dad. And when they got divorced, this was in the early 70s, she had no credit. It was like she was a teenager. She couldn't rent her own apartment, right. even though she was right. the one who did all the finances for them. But because she was Mrs. So-and-so, she had no identity. She couldn't even open a bank account. And you couldn't open a bank account. Like in the 60s, you couldn't open a bank account without a man Without husband your husband or father or someone or your signing off on it. Yeah. So when you think about it, we've come a long way. We just have a long way to go. So we have True. to just, we have to be empowered True. and excited about the progress that 
happened. And yes, we should absolutely feel entitled to all the things we have now and keep pushing forward. Um, but let's not forget the, the gratitude of, of all the people who have fought for us to get this this far. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you've given us so much I to know. think about and so many great books that I'm like immediately adding to my Amazon I've been, t- I've been taking um, notes this entire time. Different <laughs> well, I know the parents are struggling so much these days. And I'm so glad that we're something like math. And I know that math is kind of a thorn in a lot of people's sides because maybe it wasn't explained to them very well. And maybe they just you know, it's a language. It has to be translated properly or it's going to remain foreign. Correct. I'm so happy that I have the opportunity to offer books ages zero to 16. Like if your kid is having, you're struggling in math, you want to help your kid, I have a book to help you. And that that, that only became true this summer with my 10th book now that I've got all the ages covered. But I think you're absolutely right. People assume because it's, um, you know, one outcome, one right answer, that there's one way to teach it or that there, that right. that if you don't get it, it's because there's something wrong with you, not because of the way it's right. being taught to you. So I think that's a hugely important empowering message. Um, we do love to ask our guests to share one favorite thing, something that they are telling all their friends about, or that's like changing your life or, you know, whatever it is that you're really in love with. Well, I will say this, I staying in this house, the, whatever the sheets are made of, and I'm pretty sure it's bamboo. They are the softest sheets I have ever experienced. And I don't want to leave this bed. Like I don't want to leave ever. So I'm going to be finding out, I think it's bamboo. My mom says it's got to be bamboo and I'm changing all the sheets in my house <laughs> because it is so soft and so amazing. I just want to like melt into the bed. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so Thank much. You. This was a great conversation. People are, gonna, Thank people you. are really going to love this. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This is a fact. Wow, that she's super smart, Mama. That was a really, really fun conversation. I wrote down, um, I'm going to look up, it's okay to be smart, next level homeschooling, and hidden figures. That's like my my homework, plus like ordering all of her books. Um, yeah, no, I wrote down it's okay to be smart and next level homeschooling too. I, the, the It's okay to be smart series I'm really excited to look into because I do try to commend my kids when they're, when they do something kind of like nerdy or exciting for them because they're, they're learning something new. And they're like telling my John will come in and tell me about like the Easter egg Island heads and how they're formed from compressed volcanic ash from this, like this extinct volcano called Walla Walla Punku or something. (laughs) And I'm just standing there watching him. My mouth is slowly dropping to the floor. And I, it, it gets me so excited to see them being the sponges that kids can be and, and soaking it all up. And I love that. Um, I keep wanting to call her Winnie, but I love that Danica is just so in her own element, talking about math, talking about, um, you know, the, the confidence that she clearly learned and felt when she discovered her passion and, and her acumen in the subject and, and being able to share that with all of our kids and especially with our girls. Um, I just think is such a cool, such a, such a important and cool, um, you know, next step in, uh, in getting everyone to pursue their own areas of excellence. Um, and I mean, I'm sorry, 10 books, like hello, hello and mathematical theorem named after me and heartthrob for all the boys of the, of the nineties. It's just, it's just too much, Danica. It's too much. <laughs> we feel very lucky that we got to spend an hour with her. I know she's awesome. Thank you, Danica. Thank you for, um, enlightening us a little bit. I feel slightly smarter. So much fun. And now it's time for our favorite things. It's time for our favorite things. Oh, yeah. All right, my favorite thing is something that's going to seem maybe a little bit silly to you, but it has been life-changing for me. So if you guys follow me, you know that I'm like a big breastfeeder and I am like a squirrel where I store lots and lots and lots of milk. So... What I used to do was I would, um, I use the Medela pump and I would clean it every single time, like all the little bottles. What I realized is I'll do it like once or twice a day. I'll clean the bottles and I'll just put the bottles that I used to pump back in the refrigerator and then empty out the milk because you want to keep it the same temperature, but rather than having to like clean it every single time. But if you guys know these pump bottles, they tip over super, super easily And I, as a mother, as a breastfeeding mother, I understood the crying over spilt milk. And you very much should cry over spilt milk because it's really, really sad when somebody spills your milk. However, Medela, this time around, I got this tray that holds the the pump bottles. 
And so I can leave the attachment to it, especially like I'll get up and pump a couple times overnight. I'll leave the attachment, um, the pump attachment to it without it having to like be topsy-turvy and fall over. And it's so, so magical and life-changing. And I have yet in the first month to spill milk. And I'm really excited about that. So we will link to it because I know it's like kind of like a hard thing to visualize, but it's this tray that holds two pump bottles and I can just, you know, easily put it in and out of the fridge. Um, and it has been very much life-changing. Nice. Lovely. So I don't know about you guys, but I've like frequent, and I maybe you would do when you're when you're nursing or you're pumping. Ilaria, spend any time on Pinterest. I fall down some pretty deep rabbit oh, it's holes. So good, <laughs> it's so good. Um, but you know, I I have like boards where I've designed you know the fifty houses I don't own <laughs> in, a, in a variety of different locales. I have it organized by like climate and environment and. Um, color theme. I have a green and gold board. I have a turquoise oh, and orange board. It's See, I'm weird. all into Scandinavian <laughs> boards. Now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's my, good. that's my I, version. <laughs> so I know, I mean, I, I definitely, um, I'm like leaning into mid-century modern right now. So I definitely have some Scandinavian elements coming in there. There's some ridiculously expensive, you know, French guys on there too. It's just, it's all wishful thinking is the point. But um, but one thing that I have been seeing uh, cropping up and that I moon over are all these plastered walls. I feel like people go, it, you know, it's you might not even know you're looking at it, but the wall can look white or gray or green or whatever, but it has this kind of movement to it. It has this kind of texture to it. It almost looks... It almost looks like the outside wall, the way that the outside wall has those sort of brush strokes you can see or those like movement of cement you can see, but it's on the inside and it's much smoother. And, um, you know, they're, they can have like really glossy finishes like a, like a plaster of Paris or they can do this very kind of luxe rustic look where it's kind of this unfinished um, matte finish that's really beautiful. Anyway, all this to say, I have recently been turned on by some interior designer friends of mine to something called Portola Paints and Glazes. So the tragedy of true plaster is that it's like ridiculously time intensive, ridiculously skill intensive, and therefore ridiculously expensive. Um, But this is a can of paint that I gather like with relatively minimal skill, you could probably do yourself. And it gives you this cool kind of lime wash, um, again, like movement on your wall. Uh, and can just be one of those ways that, you know, even if you paint like an accent wall, it just gives it a whole different kind of the kind of that like fresh modern luxe vibe that's still very lived in and very um you know how California modern has that warmth to it? I feel like it's like that. So this is a very long way of saying I'm super interested in trying this lime wash paint. It Apparently, I'm looking on the website right now, it's also high in pH and therefore it's a mild fungicide and eco-friendly because it contains zero VOCs um, and it's organic and highly breathable finish, which is like, you know, anyway, I because I'm- things. Just I'm just like all about designing these homes right now. These these many many homes that are. That, I love are, this week. Mine's a plastic <laughs> tray, so your pump your pump bottles don't fill over, and yours is a wall. <laughs> all right, guys, that's us for this week of Mom Brain. <laughs> Please don't forget to rate and if you liked us, rate and review and subscribe. Of and most course, they're going to like us, Daphne. You don't never know. The they option. could be like. You ladies, you (laughs) shut up. (laughs) But but anyway, you know what we're saying. And most importantly, please do um, share us with your friends. It's really important to us that these conversations reach reach moms wherever they are and whatever they need to hear and whatever the community and friendship and and just camaraderie they need um i think we all need a little boost of that right now so it's we love we love when you guys share us with with the women in your life who are really special um thank you so much oh and also not that we need to keep telling you but we are taking over the internet obviously we are now also on your instagram on your facebook on your twitter probably on your youtube most assuredly in your inbox um you can hit us up we are mombrainpod at gmail.com and we love you very much and we'll talk to you next week bye Bye. this is mom brain with alaria baldwin and daphne oz mom brain is a gallery media group original production